Good morning. Y'all got quiet on us. Is that what y'all do? Do y'all show up on time and then get quiet? I love it. Um, so my name is Joe Kate. I'm the associate. I'm not the associate minister here. How about that? Wow. Hang in there. My name is Joe Kate, and I'm the minister of uh, Memorial United Methodist. Uh, my wife is. Uh, I'm gonna have them stand. Just. I'm not gonna do this often. But my wife is Katie. Come on, you gotta do it. Katie, and I have a daughter, Caroline, who's nine, and I have a daughter, Addison, who is 11. Addison's over there and has already found a friend. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Um, so people have asked me um, essentially three questions. Um, are, no offense, but are you young to be here? Is the first question. Um, yeah, I think given your history, um, I'm young to be here, but fortunately I started uh, leading churches when I was in seminary at 22. So I'm 37, so I've been in ministry for 15 years, and I've seen four different settings, each of which have um, great implications for leadership here. Um, people have said, uh, are you going to wear, uh, what, what are you going to wear in worship? So you'll see me in um, contemporary worship, you see me wear something more casual, because um, I want to set the tone for being casual in this service. Um, and in traditionally, you see me put a tie on and wear a robe, so if you go back and forth between those two services, um, you, you'll see me change those two things. Um, the last thing people have asked me is, are you excited? Uh, so um, you can see me smile when somebody asks me that question, because uh, I couldn't be more excited. Um, Greer. Uh, we went to the thing last night, the celebration last night uh, at the park, and um, it, Greer has a great history, but it's not resting on its history saying, um, you know, this, this is who we are, and, uh, and that's it. We've already done everything we're going to do. So great history, but they're also looking forward to do great things. Um, I'm assuming this church has a great history. I've seen a lot of great pictures around the church and heard good things. Um, I came here for a clergy meeting. It occurred to me as I was parking in that lot over there. Um, and we were in the um, social hall. Um, this church has a great history and is going to do great things. I'm excited about the opportunity to be in two distinctly different services with great music. I heard the band on Tuesday, and I heard the choir on Wednesday. Uh, so to, if you start off with good music, you're in a good place. Um, so I'm excited about that and, uh, and, and leading you all in the future. We asked to remain in the upstate. We asked to go to a place that had great potential, and y'all asked for a young minister, so you got a youngish uh, minister. So we've gotten what we wanted. So let's, uh, let's, let's do some fun stuff. Before we start with our service, I'm going to call on Katie, and she's got um, a couple of announcements for us.
Will you stand and worship with us? to the sky Your righteousness is like a mighty mountain Your justice flows like the ocean's tide And I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. And I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings. Your love, oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like a mighty mountain. Yeah. Your justice goes like the ocean side. I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are so grateful to come together this morning as a family, as a church family. We are thankful for this building and for the people who are within it. We ask that you move your spirit within us so that we can embrace growth and change and new beginnings. We ask that you lead us in your direction so that we can spread your word and do your will. Focus our hearts and our minds now on you as we prepare to worship. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen.
nothing outside us finds only you, Lord. You are my best thought by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, your presence by life. and greet those around you and children. Please come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. I'm glad to have everyone here today. Today we're going to be talking about a big word. It's called hospitality. Does anybody know what that means? No, it's a big word. 
Well, one of the things it can mean is welcome. And today I have something that I brought from our house, and we use it around Christmas time. Can somebody tell me what this is? Very good. Yes, that's right. It's a welcome mat. But this one specifically we use around Christmas time. One of my daughters made this when she was itty bitty in preschool. And um, it does say the word welcome and they put their feet, um, their prints in here. And then they decorated a snowman. Now the funny thing about mats is that um, they come in all different shapes and sizes these days in different pictures. But one of the things that tends to be common is the word welcome just like our big word, hospitality. Well, back a long, long time ago, do most of you know who Christopher Columbus is? Yeah, he, and who, who was he? What, what is he known for? Right, sailing and discovering where we live in the United States, right? Well, back in 1493, Christopher Columbus, along with his men, took a second journey, and they landed in what is known as the Guadalupe today. And back in those days, there were no mats to welcome the explorers. So what transpired at that place and what they discovered was that in this specific region, if you were welcome, they would put a pineapple. Does everybody know what a pineapple is? Yeah, they're pretty yummy, aren't they? Okay. So if an explorer who was coming to this new land, wanted to feel welcome or to have some help or somewhere to stay or maybe somewhere to be fed, they would know that if they saw a pineapple in the front of that house, that they were welcome. And today's Bible verse that we're going to talk about talks about welcoming and being hospitable. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. And it says, offer hospitality to one another. Welcome others into your homes without complaining. And today is a very special day for our church, isn't it? That's right, because we have our new pastor and his family here, Mr. Joe Kate. And today, as Miss Katie announced, we're going to have a big celebration. Now, I'm not sure we'll have lots of pineapples there, but I think we're going to have lots of welcoming and loving arms to welcome them into this family and so that we can continue on our mission our mission to serve God and to have God in our hearts and to do his works. So today, I want you to remember when you see your welcome mat, that it's not only for the purpose of just dusting off your shoes, but the word welcome and what that means and in your journey with Christ. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the blessings you send us today, especially for Joe Kate and his family. We welcome him with loving arms and his family as well so that we can continue on your journey to do your will. In your name we pray. Amen. So I think y'all offer the opportunity, if you pass the um, pads, for us to know who you are and also give you the opportunity to give us prayer concerns. And I'm pretty sure I missed that opportunity 
in the announcements. So I will learn, every time you're in a new service, you learn. So I'm going to get that right next time. Um, but when you have um, prayer concerns, we're going to give you the opportunity to share them, and people will be praying for those concerns all week long. I actually met Tuesday um, with uh, the prayer team. It's a, it's a solid group of people that are praying for both the community and the church and newcomers and people in need, and i um, grateful for that on Tuesdays. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this space because it's in this space that we can come gather for fun, for fellowship, for worship. And while we have uh, many things drawing on us, lots of things thinking about vacation, thinking about work, thinking about travel, any sort of logistics that are overwhelming us, thinking about the finances of our family, the finances of our community, of our church, thinking about really anything but the text that's before us. Help us to clear our minds, to clear our hearts, that we may have a space where we may worship you by reading and proclaiming your word. Inspire us, Lord, as we pray the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. So I'm going to do things in a slightly different way. I'll try not to change 100 things uh, right off the bat. I know that that um, can be one of the great um, things that people anticipate that the minister's going to change something and can be one of the great horrifying things that the minister's going to change something. But a very simple thing in, in um, contemporary worship here, I think I'll go without the pulpit. Um, and I also, um, I, I have attention span issues. And so instead, say I have um, a scripture passage that's 41 verses long. I'm not going to read all 41 verses to you. Um, I, I break it up as part of the sermon. So we read, uh, we read a little bit and read a little bit and read a little bit. I've never done something um, that I'm going to do today. Instead of, um, typically I've read the first part of what I'm going to read in the text and then say the word of God for, for you all to say, thanks be to God. Um, I'm going to try doing it at the end, because we've read all the text at the end. So I'm going to try ending the sermon with that. Uh, so Matthew 20, starting with verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. So this is just two verses. Two short little verses, but it is action-packed. There's all kinds of stuff in these two verses. First, when you see the kingdom of heaven is like, this is code. This is um, it's generally in response to a question that someone has asked Jesus. And sometimes their questions are self-serving, and sometimes it's an honest question. They really want to know the answer to this. And Jesus typically does not give them a straight answer back. Jesus typically gives them a parable which can have some complicated elements to it. But when he says the kingdom of heaven is like, I want you to think about the people who have said to you, or have you heard, you, you, 
you've seen it in studies or you've seen it uh, on TV or you've seen it perhaps in worship. Someone says, if you give your life to Jesus Christ, then you will have eternal glory in the afterlife. Okay, they're, they're, they are terribly concerned with you giving your life to Christ with concern for the afterlife, which is significant. That's important. The state of our soul for eternity is important. But the huge factor when he says the kingdom of God is like, is what if the kingdom of God, the principles of the kingdom of God, were brought to this earth? What if we don't just sit here on earth going, well, you know, this is a dumb thing. This is a thing where we do awful stuff and say awful stuff and not really pay attention to people. But if we accept Jesus, then when we get to heaven, we'll be, we'll be good. We can abandon this awful place. When he says the kingdom of heaven is like, he's saying, let's transform the world around us with our actions and our words. So when you hear that phrase, something very, very significant is about to be said. Um, second thing, landowner went out early. Now the manager. How many of y'all like biscuits? Biscuits are delicious. I love biscuits. Does the owner of Hardee's generally get there at five to cook the biscuits? Absolutely not. The owner of Hardee's looks at the bottom line at the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the month. It's someone, it's uh, maybe the morning manager, but more than likely the morning manager is getting there after the person who's making the biscuits. So the landowner is going out early. That's, um, that speaks to being proactive. I'm coming to you when we, um, we say, you know what, we're going to love you. If you come to our church, and if you look a good bit like us, and if you think like us and act like us, well, we're going to love you. That didn't speak to being proactive and going to the people. So it says the landowner went out early. Um, third, the vineyard is the setting. So in the vineyard, you've got um, the vine. You've got the earth that's being, um, <laughs> I was going to say toiled. Is it toiled? Is that the word? I'm not, I'm not a gardener. The earth is being turned over. Um, you've got the grapes. You've got the wine. These are images that will be used again and again and again in both the Old and New Testaments. So there's always multiple layers working when you're talking about a vineyard. And four, contract. And the biblical word for contract, the word that you hear so consistently, is covenant. So he says, um, you go out and I'll pay you a denarius. So that's four really significant. You can make a sermon out of four of those things. So um, let's look at these early workers. You look at the early workers and you can think to yourself, it's done. There, there are a few feelings to me as um, comforting, as logistics being settled far in advance. So um, not only do I want the plane ticket that I'm going to have settled in advance, um, I'm going to look specifically at where it is on the window, because though I'm 37, I still like to look out the airplane window. I like to see uh, takeoff. I like to see um, the big buildings. Uh, I like to see if I'm going to fly over a major college football stadium or facility of some sort, anything really. So I want to make sure that not only do I have a window seat, but I want to make sure that I have a window seat that's not over the wing. If possible, it's awesome to get one of those two-one deals where there's two on this side and one on this side, and I'm the only one because I'm a pretty big guy. 
So getting that settled is tremendous to me. Um, when I go to, uh, I've been to Wrigley Field a couple times. I'm a big baseball fan. Wrigley Field is uh, historic, and it's got poles in the stands. So there are a fair number of seats that are directly behind a pole. So your one shot, if you get to Chicago and you go to Wrigley Field, I feel like Penway may have the same thing. You might be sitting, you know, <laughs> you're like, oh, Wrigley Field is awesome. Um, so I just obsess on websites looking and saying, okay, is this a seat that'll work? And having that settled is amazing. Um, so if we take it off me, um, if I'm looking at the electives that my girls get in school, they, it's done by the people who are there first to sign up. So um, I've got my phone, I've got headphones, I've got a tailgating chair, I get there early. And then it's settled, I don't have to worry about anybody being in front of me. So as a 37-year-old, I identify with those early workers. I don't care how early I have to be there, I'm gonna be there, I'm gonna get it done, settled, and um, we know what we're gonna get. We're gonna get a Daenerys. So um, scripture continues, verse three. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. So um, the landowner's going out again. That's important. There's a covenant, but it's different. It's whatever's fair. Anybody here have a whatever's fair contract in their work? No. I'm kind of like numbers. Can you tell me every single number and every single detail and every single part of my health benefits and every single part, you know, how that's going to play out? If, um, if I met with Staff Parish and they had a contract and it said, uh, um, you're going to work at Memorial, and it just said in, in 25 point font, whatever's fair, that'd be hard. You know, I'd be concerned about that. But where are they in the, you know, where are they in need work? And when you're in a certain position, you just need work, you're gonna do, do what you need to do to get work, so they go into work. Scripture continues. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He said to them, why have you been standing around here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. So things that the text does not say, because you might, your brain makes fast choices on small amounts of information. The text does not say that they slept in and came in whenever they liked trying to get work. What does it say? We've been here all day. It doesn't say they were offered jobs, but were unwilling to do them. And say, well, you know, this guy came along, but he wanted us to dig ditches and dig ditches. I don't, I don't want to dig ditches. I don't want to bother with that. This guy wanted us to, uh, I don't know, track down sheep. What are, what are some jobs that you would want to do? Fight off wolves? I don't want to do that. So it doesn't say that um, they were offered jobs or that they came late. It says that they were there all day. Y'all like waiting? No, we almost go insane when we have to start waiting too long. Um, I don't know how many of y'all are excited about Seinfeld being on Hulu. So I'm starting off at the very beginning. 
I'm going to watch it from the very In fact, they would do snippets of, um, you could watch, they did, in the week leading up to it, they showed famous episodes that you could watch, getting you excited. And I wouldn't watch them, because I want to watch it from the very beginning and see what it's like from there forward. And it's funny, uh, his stuff is so funny in the setup, but it just didn't hit in the beginning. The series didn't hit in the beginning. He says, when you go to the doctor, you're in the waiting room. He says, there is no other option. He said, they call it the waiting room. <laughs> he said, you wait in that room, and then uh, they call your name, and you stand up among the people, and you go, well, I guess I've been chosen. <laughs> and you get to go back. But you go back, you go to a sm- another waiting room. you got to wait again. Now, I know how hard it is. I, I know snippets of how hard it is to be a doctor because I have um, dear friends who are doctors, and people just coming in all day. And people have important stuff to share all day. And as a minister, you'll, you'll so very rarely see me, when someone's sharing a story with me, go, mm-hmm. so anyway, and then move on to the next person. You have to, you have to listen. You're listening to them. And uh, sometimes they're, you know, they, there was the original story, and they spin off that story a little bit. And then we freestyle on that story a little bit. We get a little loose. And then, you know, what's, what story are we telling anymore? But you listen because it's important in your profession that you listen. So it's important for doctors to listen. So therefore, we're gonna be waiting. And we're gonna wait a significant amount of time sometimes because they're doing their job. So we we don't like waiting. Um, And if your phone's dying and you're waiting, it can be very alarming because you um, you don't have anything to look at. We're sort of going crazy. So that's just waiting, which we don't like, period. But if you are waiting to be hired, that's very tough. And I suspect um, that a fair portion of you have waited to be hired at some point or another for um, some length, you know, uh, either a short amount of time or a long amount of time. Um, there are certainly many challenges to the ministry in the United Methodist Church. One of the challenges that does not exist for me is finding a job. I think it's actually a provision from the 50s and 60s, a guaranteed appointment, so that in that very challenging time, ministers could say very challenging things and people could not threaten them with their job. You think about how scary that would be. If, um, if what you said, thinking you were proclaiming the word, allowed people to threaten you for your job. So I've never, I have waited to hear about where I was going and nearly go insane with that but I haven't waited for a job. So if you've waited for a job, you understand. And these people are making, they're working a day and they're making a day. So if you did well on Tuesday, that was yesterday. We're we're starting again today. And we've got to pay um, for food or whatever today. So I've got to get work today. So if I don't have work today, you start to get a little concerned about tomorrow. So if you were hired first, you've got it settled, you're done. Now you're doing the most work. If you're hired at 9, you're feeling pretty good. Noon, you've been waiting a while, but okay, I've got work. Five. What would you even do waiting from 8 o'clock to 5 o'clock? It might have been worse than that. It might have been 6 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Waiting for someone to hire you. 
So let me give you a quote. Um, this is from David Lose. He's one of my favorite um, commentators on the text. He says, let's first put ourselves workers who were chosen last. Likely they had all but given up hope for work that day and would soon make the long disappointing trek home. These aren't folks who are trying to make a little extra pocket cash after all. They are laborers who can expect from their work no more than a daily wage, just enough. That's it. That is to support them and their families for one more day. So if you were hired at five, you're thinking, um, I forget which minister, uh, the, the general rule of quoting people, quoting other ministers, is to give them credit the first time by name, to second time say, um, I heard this person one time say, and then the third time you say, you know, I've always thought. <laughs> you just dropped that. Um, so I'm still in the second with this person. Um, he said, they were putting the shovels on the truck when these guys showed up. I'm talking about cleaning off the shovels when these last guys showed up. Verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, here's the foreman, where you been? Um, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So um, I guess imagine, you know, all along here, uh, who, who knows how many there were? I, I've never really wondered if it was 12 or 20 or more, but they're lined up here along the yellow line, and you start with the last ones, and you give them a denarius. So if that's a daily wage, and you showed up when the shovels were being put on the truck, you're pretty excited. You've been um, pretty broken most of the day and you're pretty excited. I'll tell you who is super excited. The people on the other end of the line. Because if these guys who showed up at five got a day's wage, son, we've been here since six. There's no telling what we're gonna get. So when those, who, when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. Sweet. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. So I'm guessing as you look from here to here, you see increasing cleanliness to nearly clean. These guys are gross because they've been out there. So initially they're thinking, this is the coolest news ever because we're going to get more than we bargained for. And instead, they get what they bargained for. And they're entirely hostile. So um, on the one hand, we can say, you know what? The church is about love, and Jesus teaches us to hug. But um, I understand our youth just went to Sakahatchee. And I understand it was blazing hot. And I understand they worked long days. And if I were to drive up with another youth at 6 p.m. and say, wow, this kid worked hard all day, right? Isn't this amazing how hard this kid worked? What would the other kid say? Uh, <laughs> what's that? No, <laughs> no. It gets real when you've been the one with the shovel since 6 a.m. And so they are entirely grumpy, and they say they're not worthy 
of that. And there's hardly a more religious thing than to wonder out loud if someone is worthy of God's love. A lot of times we start with ourselves. We wonder if we are. And if we have any concerns whatsoever about whether we are or not, then we better make for sure that those people are less than us so that then, in comparison, we're pretty good. We're acceptable. If we think, if we champion ourselves, we say we are totally worthy, but we look at them and go, how long have you even been in church? What service do you go to? What have you done in between Sundays? What kind of lifestyle do you have? Prove to me the clearinghouse for God's acceptance that you are worthy of God's love. And we might not be that direct with it. We might not be that hostile with it. But we have elements of that all the time. We just, humans just size each other up against one another. It's just what we do. It's just, it's constantly what we do. And so they say, um, they don't deserve it. Scripture continues. But he answered one of them, and I, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? Another favorite commentator I have on the text is Caroline Lewis. This is what she said. I think we have a fundamental discomfort, even a suspicion of generosity. Here's the rub of this parable. That generosity is not something to be understood. And that we have an inherent resistance to receiving generosity. Because our human nature is then to assume that we did something to deserve this generosity. Or to just be overwhelmed and reject it because we don't think we deserve it. There's no greater gift from a generous person than to give you something. And for you to just receive it happily. But these guys who secured their income for the day, secured their work for the day, everything that they needed is done, are not happy. Now, how long have they owned the vineyard? Zero days. Did they start the vineyard? Mm -mm. Did they manage the vineyard in any way? Uh -uh. Did they come out to hire people? Nope. But because they've worked there one day, they think that they have the right to dictate what the income should be of anyone who has worked there. You ever notice that? Like, if you walk into a building, if you're trying to secure seats, you, um, you didn't have anything to do with building the building. You didn't have anything to do with putting the event on. You didn't have anything to do with um, what's about to happen. But you get in these seats, and then you think, uh, you know, these are my seats. Don't mess with me. And all of a sudden, you have ownership of them. 
In fact, um, uh, Katie, I've, I've quoted this many times, Katie was a sociolo sociology major in college and she said, they did a study one time that people in parking lots, when, they are, um, when they're going to their spot to pull out, when they're walking to their car to pull out, if someone is waiting for that spot, they take twice as long. Because who are you? Why are you crowding me? This is my spot. Of course, I didn't. I don't own this grocery store. I didn't pay this parking lot. I don't pay any. Well, I sort of pay bills here because I buy steak and ground chicken and taco shells and make delicious lunches. But I didn't pay for this thing. But I was here, and I've been here for like 27 minutes. So I don't know who you think and you are wanting this spot. That's as human as it gets, isn't it? That's what we do. We take ownership when we've been there for about five minutes. And then we wonder who is eligible to participate. Last piece of scripture, verse 16. So the last will be first and the first will be last. So why this text this day? Because I'm grateful for the people who have gone before us for so many decades to create this space. To create a space where we can worship, where we can meet, where we can fellowship, where we can educate, where we can have fun, where we can play, where we can, did I say worship? All those things. I'm grateful for those people. I'm grateful for the people who show up early and give every single ounce that they have. I'm grateful for the people who are fairly new here, who have tried us and stayed. And I'm grateful for the opportunity that we have to reach out to others. And watch me celebrate those others as they come. Watch me celebrate them big time. And in a way that sort of feels like an older sibling as you see me celebrate those new people that come, understand that that means that our family is growing in a significant, important way. So as you see me modify what we do in our worship to welcome visitors, both in this service and in traditional, as you see me um, uh, celebrate and enhance the, the events that we have that welcome visitors, as you see me look at all the signage that we have, and y'all have got amazing, I don't know who's on the sign team, but the signs are awesome here. Just to continue to evaluate the signs and welcome people, evaluating the website, everything that we do, is to make sure that people who are showing up now know that they are as significant as people who are here for 50 years that they matter, and the reason they matter is because we're going to be proactive towards them. The reason we're going to be proactive towards them is because God was proactive towards us. Remember the landowner? He went out to them. So they're five in the morning making the biscuits so that people could have it. So um, Emerson Powery, this is the last quote I have. So the parable is not really about the laborers in the vineyard. In fact, this is not even a story about the growth of the vineyard. Nor was there any significant attention to the activities of the workers. 
We hear complaints about those who have toiled all day long, but their story is really not about them either. Rather, Jesus' parable highlights the generosity of God, the pursuing, loving generosity of God. That's what I'm going to try to celebrate in everything that we do here at Memorial. The word of God for the people of God. There it is. I love it. Let's um, uh, stand and read our affirmation together. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Bring your tired, bring your shame, bring your guilt, and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You'll always be much more to me. Every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right. That's all right. Others say I'll never be enough And greater is the one living inside of me Than he who is living in the world In the world In the world And greater is the one living inside of me Than he who is living in the world Out and bring your fears, bring your hurt and bring your tears. There'll be no condemnation here, for you're holy, righteous, everything. And every time I fall, there'll be those who will call me a mistake. That's okay, cause I hear a calls me redeemed when others say I'll never be enough and greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world in the world in the world and greater is the one living inside of me than he Says that it doesn't matter Cause the cross already won the war He's greater, he's greater I am learning to run freely Understanding just how he sees me And it makes me love him more and more He's greater, he's greater
leader. There'll be days I lose the battle. Grace says that it doesn't matter because the cross already won the war. He's greater, he's greater. I am learning to run freely, understanding just how he sees me and makes me love him more and more. He's greater. guys will stand and worship with us. God is 
space. I like what y'all got going here. Um, I like that you see the tree through the window. I like the natural light here. Y'all got some, y'all got some pretty good stuff going on in the back. I love watching the videos. The music get you amped up. Appreciate y'all being so inviting to us, welcoming us. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here. Uh, to be your pastor. It's, it's, uh, I'm excited for our future. So now receive the benediction. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thanks, have a great week.